We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 10th day of March, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, it's good to see you today. How are you? Healthy and alive. Uh, enjoying the next day of the apocalypse. You know, well, gas apocalypse, I guess you could say. Because, uh, uh, you know, prices rising. Uh huh. No fault of the president. No fault of the president. No. He, he no. didn't do anything wrong no. there. Of course not. No, it's it's no fault of his whatsoever. It's those it's those darn oil companies. That's that's the problem. Yeah. It's, it's them. That's what's really caused this. Of course, that's second only to Vladimir Putin. Don't forget it's him. That's the problem. Is that right there? Right, right. Gas prices hit record high for a third day. As a matter of fact, we were watching a video just a few minutes ago and the price was changing yeah. in real time. Yeah. They were changing the yeah. sign. But that's okay. That's okay because Bruce, you're okay with paying a little bit more, are you not? You're okay. I mean, of course, you have to be okay. Now, if you're listening to CNN, this is what they had to say on whether or not gas prices should continue to rise. Here at home at the pump, a lot higher, Kate. But as you mentioned, people we've spoken to over the last couple of weeks, they're okay paying higher prices if it means holding Russia accountable for what they are doing in Ukraine. Right. But uh, these prices are likely going to creep higher, Kate. We'll see how they feel in the next week or so. Kate? And the big question, the big unknown is, do any of these moves change Putin's behavior, change the way he is acting right now? Yeah. What he By that decree, uh, Bruce, are you okay by paying higher prices if it means putting the screws to uh, to Russia and, and Vladimir Putin? You okay with that? Well, if, if, if there's a caveat there, right? If it's um, we're having to pay higher gas prices, sticking it to Putin while increasing our own production, uh, then yeah, I'm, I'm okay with do, doing that because I believe we should be uh, uh, self-sufficient. We, we, we should have everything needed to at least run the country manufactured here at home. So yeah, I'm okay with that. But because the president has deemed it not necessary to do that, instead he's trying to go around and play footsie with uh, Iran, Venezuela, you know, these these tin pot dictators, you know, the these guys. No, I'm not okay with it. And then he releases, what was it, 60 million barrels from our strategic reserves? It was a historic of- release, according to... Press Secretary Jen Psaki, it was a historic release. It wasn't just a release. It was a historic release. And yes, I think it was something like that that literally covered, what was it, 72 hours? I think that's all it was. Uh, let's see here. Blah, 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 blah. Petroleum products, average of, let's see. We consume on average, this was in 2017, uh, 20 million bar- barrels per day. Uh-huh. So he released three days. Three supply. days. 72 hours worth. Uh, gas prices here. Uh, went up 10 cents since yesterday. Mm. Yeah, well, it's going to go higher. Uh, according to uh, a lot of the media outlets that are watching these things, nearly 60 cents in one week is what we've looked at. National average price is up uh, $4.25. It was just $4 a couple days ago. Now we're up $4.25. Uh, that, again, that's the average. 14 cents in two days. Uh, excuse me, more than seven cents overnight and 14 cents in two days. Gas prices rose in 2021 before the Ukraine war about a dollar and have subsequently risen during the Ukrainian war after about about 70 cents. The average price per gallon one year ago, just after former President Donald Trump left office, was $2.79 a gallon. President Joe Biden was asked on Tuesday if there was anything that could be done about the dramatic price increases. He said it's gas prices that are going to go up. You can't do much right now. Russia's responsible. No, they they need... Oh. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, I'm going to say it again. They need to create shortages. And if you can't create shortages in the supply line because people are just being stubborn, as in farmers saying, I don't give a damn what you say, I'm going to farm. Truckers saying, I don't give a damn what you say, I'm an owner-operator, I've got to pay my stuff, so I'm going to keep working. Fire me if you will, but I'm going to keep working. Find me, whatever. That doesn't break the supply chain. However, if you take away petrochemicals 
and you stop the farmer from farming, you stop the truck driver from driving, you stop the ship from shipping, then you have a supply shortage. You have supply chain breakdown even further. They want you to transition to EVs, right? Electric vehicles. Electric vehicles do not work. It's that simple. I wish it was more complex than that. They do not work. If they do, they're not ready. It's too early. The technology to extend them, to make them where we need them to operate, does not exist yet. Tesla is working on it. It's uh, working on it. So even if, the, the thing is, is the vehicles, even if it was on par with your average car, right? Let's just, for the sake of argument, it's on par with the, the average car. Same distance, same uh, load, all of that. Let's say it's identical. Here's the problem. You get everyone to transition to, to EVs. How are you going to power it? Our, our electrical grid as it stands is like we're, we're barely making enough power for ourselves as, as it is. We have states with brownouts during the summer, blackouts during the winter. So what are we going to do? You're also cutting back on the natural gas usage because that's a petroleum product, right? So anything that has a carbon, natural gas, anything that has, yeah. has a carbon output, anything that's natural gas, that's propane, that, that's everything. That's the byproduct yeah. of, of burning that. So now you're you're reducing the amount of electricity generated even further. You're also wanting to get rid of coal because that's another emitter. So you're reducing it even more. So what are you going to do? We don't have enough nuclear plants around around the, the country to power what we need. You don't have enough wind turbines. You have to keep in mind, you have to have 30 percent or more uh, of whatever your power grid draw is. You have to have a surplus of another 30 percent of that power grid's worth of uh, renewable energy to compensate for the times that it's down. And then you have to have the batteries to store all the excess. So without any of those things in place, the renewables is, is it's foolish. And again, it's meant to not work. I don't know of any other way to put that. It's not meant to work. It's meant to make you quit. As in, we're designed, as human beings, we're designed to innovate, right? That, that's what we do. We build, we innovate, we create, we create better things, and, and, and the cycle repeats, and we get better and better and better. That's how things have been up to this point. But they're selling you something that's very old, like it's very new. That's all they're doing here. Wind and solar is not a new concept. That's not a new concept. But then the argument comes back with, uh, well, we've made fantastic advances in those areas. You've gone as far as you can go in those areas. It doesn't work. It works in a limited capacity. Yes. Yes, it does. I can attest to that. It works in a limited capacity. However, you can't power a city with wind and solar. It can't be done. It cannot be done. Common sense tells you that it cannot be done. Now, it can subsidize some things. Sure. It can offset some stuff. No argument there. As a matter of fact, I think that's great that we can actually do that. I remember I had a conversation with a guy a few years ago. Now, this is a guy that's like on with like the Green Party and all that stuff. I mean, whole environmental and everything. But he's a real environmental conservationist type. He's not one of these loony climate change nuts. And he said to me at the time, as much as I'm for getting rid of all these uh, petrochemicals and everything, he says, as much as I'm for that, he says, at our current stage of development and civilization, we can't do that. We just can't do it unless we want to go back 100 years. There's no way we can do that. As in, like with technology, there will be no advancement. If you want to have wind and solar, fine. But it needs to be a transition as in a hybrid system to get you to the next step. That was his argument. You can't, you can't do wind and solar, though, because some of the products we use in the wintertime is petroleum products. So in right. the wintertime, you, you can't even run those systems because they're going to get covered in ice and snow. Right. How are you going to melt the ice and snow off of there? Uh, off of those without petroleum products, which was his argument. He said you need the hybrid system of both. He says you can't you can't just switch to to one hundred percent. He actually at least had the wherewithal to sit down and, and talk about it without being a screaming lunatic. And he said we could switch to one hundred percent nuclear. We could, yeah, we could and, do one hundred percent. And we'd yeah. get hydrogen out of that, but yeah. they don't want to talk about yeah. that. They don't want to talk about mm -hmm. that because there, there's no money there, and it is one hundred percent clean. Energy, but the reactor might go meltdown, and we we might have another Chernobyl. 
Well, quite frankly, with these people that are in control now, I I wouldn't put that past them because they're just they're insane anyway. I, I don't think these people are capable of running a hot dog stand, let alone a nuclear facility. And Bill Gates with his new experimental, highly dangerous reactor that scientists are saying, you have no business building any of this. None. It's too unstable. It's too dangerous. And they're going to let him do it anyway. The, the insanity knows no bounds with these people. But I remember when Honda made a, uh, made a hydrogen car. And I don't know if they still actually, I actually don't know if they still have one or not. But I remember when they made that and I thought, you know what? I said, that right there is the future. Do you know what hydrogen actually produces as a byproduct? Water vapor. That's your byproduct. You can get the same amount of mileage out of a car that runs on hydrogen as you do out of a car that runs on gasoline or petrol, whatever you are, or diesel, whatever. You can get the same amount. And there's no byproduct other than water vapor. Where are the environmentalists and the climate change people and Greta Thunberg and Prince Charles and, and all these people? Where are they on that? You never hear them talking about that, do you? Because it doesn't give them an aspect of control. They need to give you an electric vehicle because it's not meant to work. Oh, here, uh, we're going to get rid of petrochemicals and we're going to give you this electric car uh, and that's going to run on on wind and solar. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. What are you going to do in the wintertime? As Bruce said, when you can't use those things, what are you going to do in uh, uh, in the summertime even when we shut down all of the coal fire plants, all the natural gas fire plants that give you the electricity that allow you to charge these things? It's not meant to work. It's meant to create a period of stagflation. It's meant to make you quit. It's meant to make you give up as a human being, as a builder. That's what it's meant to do. That's all it's meant to do. It's meant to bankrupt you, demoralize you, and make you quit. That's it. The Keystone Pipeline developer says that it's too late to restart the pipeline project. Do you agree with that? I mean, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say, well, possibly. And the reason I say possibly is uh, if they've already made contracts with other companies to... Uh, you know, facilitate the the uh, shipping of of the crude somewhere else to be refined. Those contracts are usually multi-year contracts. Those are you know uh, five, ten year contracts. So in a sense, yeah, it is actually too late now. But that doesn't mean we can't still push for those kind of things. You know, push for something, some kind of change. But yeah. you know, I'm a firm believer in the fact that it's never too late to say that on anything, no matter what it is. You can always restart something. And quite frankly, we're saying, okay, well, we can't do anything with Keystone. Oh, yes, you can. You can if the right investments and the right regulations get pushed through to allow that to continue and open back up. Even Elon Musk is out there screaming, saying you must start oil and gas exploration in the United States immediately, not tomorrow. You need to do it today. You need to start on it yesterday. You don't have time to do this. And here's a guy that, again, we've got disagreements with him politically, but I think he's built a great company and I think he's building some great products. You notice the um, the Biden administration and all these build back better fools. They don't talk about his company, do they? Now, I know he's got dealings and things with China. OK, that's something else. But he is the guy that is building electric cars, as in 100 percent electric cars. And he is saying you need to start oil and gas exploration immediately. You need to start he's, nuclear immediately. Yeah, go ahead. He's also uh, making a space agency, a spaceship, uh, a space mission to Mars to escape climate change. Did I so, forget to mention that? Yeah, that, that that's uh, <laughs> uh, maybe you did and I just didn't hear it. But no, um, I think I, I forgot it. I was trying to it, stick with the electric car thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, to your point, he even realizes that, yeah, we can't do it right now. But that's the thing. When you listen to, I've listened to a few interviews of Musk and and him. So to give you an example, he was talking about thrust, uh, the the force of thrust on rockets. Right? They use a different measurement, and to the average person, you're like, this makes no sense to me. So what they do is they they calculate everything in tons of force. So uh, it's more uh, understanding to to the average person. But he said he goes. Why are we measuring it in, it's like joules or newtons or whatever. He's like, how much is it? It doesn't even make any sense. That's not efficient. That does, like that bring, no. So we convert it to this because it's more efficient. That mentality transition, like it, it, it transfers to other things as well. Um, he, he obviously, he, he's doing things based on efficiency and what's, what's needed in the moment. And he understands that uh, we need it. Unfortunately, even if, even if we got rid of uh, all of it, 
uh, for power generation, take a moment and look around your house, just, just in the room you're sitting or vehicle or whatever, wherever you're sitting and listening to this, look around and find one object in your vicinity that is not the product of a, a, of a petrochemical. You're going to struggle to find anything because everything that's in there was shipped to a warehouse somewhere or to a store. And that shipping process required a petroleum-based product. So no matter how you break it down, we have to use petrochemicals. So until we can get away from that and until we can, you know, go to other products that are safer for the environment or, you know, we have to stick with this, unfortunately. And again, same argument I made yesterday. Why are we trying to ship uh, the, the refining process and everything to other countries? Why are we having them do it instead of doing it on the home front when we have better regulations and restrictions on how like we have to keep it cleaner, right? We're the cleanest in the world when it comes to refining and processing. And yet we're shipping it out to other countries and not doing it here on the home front. If you truly cared about the environment and we're trying to reduce emissions truly, then you would be tr- you would be uh, shouting on the the, the freaking uh, tops of buildings and mountaintops. We need to have the refining here in the U.S. so that we can better control it, so that we can better regulate it, and then start shipping it to the rest of the world. But starting first and foremost with cares. our yeah, well, I care. I know you care. Uh, I know our listeners care. Let me, but let me let me rephrase that. Nobody in government cares what we think. Oh, no, no, no they, they could care less. They made that pretty clear uh, many, many years ago. But no, I, I agree with you. And I, I think that we should start with uh, w- when it comes to the exporting of petroleum products, we should take care of uh, our allied nations uh, and dear friends first. We should take care of them first, as in we'll see to our needs and our territories first, obviously. And then we're happy to trade with our neighbors in Canada, our neighbors in Mexico. We're happy to trade with I don't know, the Japanese, I'm sure they would love to have some American oil. I'm sure the British would love to have some American oil. We've been buying British petroleum for years. I'm sure that we'd be happy to to trade with you all. Um, I'm sure we'd be happy to trade with all of Europe, Germany, France. I I know the French have their own oil interest. I know that the Dutch have their own oil interest, obviously Dutch Royal Shell, and the Nordic countries as well. I'm sure we'd be happy to work a deal. The Australians and New Zealanders, I'm sure they'd be happy to have some American oil too. Don't you think? I think everybody wins there. Yeah. Uh, it would seem that way anyway. Would seem so. Yeah. Putin signs a decree to ban exports of raw materials and commodities. Well, that sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds like a wonderful idea. We're just going to um, we're, we're just going to ban all that stuff. Again, they need to create the shortages in the rationing. Now, I don't know what side Putin's playing here. I really don't know. Bruce asked me yesterday offline on what I think is going on with this whole Russia, US, NATO, EU, UN biolab in Ukraine thing and everything that's going on in there. And I have my own suspicions. I'm not going to mention what that is here because it's pure speculation and I have nothing to back it up with. But um, I, uh, I have my suspicions. And to me, when I war game it out, it makes sense uh, that that's what's going on. But uh, again, I, I, uh, I don't want to get too far into it. Russian President Vladimir Putin has signed a decree that institutes special economic measures that, that will be in effect until the end of this year. So there's your timeline right there. There's your next mile marker is the end of this year. The Canadian health minister is out today saying that we need to start preparing for the next wave of COVID in the fall. So they're taking a reprieve. Now, rumor has it again, and I I heard this again this morning from somebody that's in the know. Rumor has it that the Democrat states, the blue states in America are ready to implement more lockdowns after the midterm elections. They relax the restrictions in the U.S. to take the talking points away from the GOP candidates that are running. That's the only reason they did it. That's it. After that election is over, you're going to see COVID restrictions return in America. You can bet on it. Same thing in France. They've suspended the uh, the COVID restrictions. They've suspended them. It means they're going to bring them back. They've suspended them because the French have elections coming up in three weeks. We can't have any restrictions in there during the, during the elections, can we? No, of course not. We'll slam the chains down after the election. You have your marker after the elections, after the midterms. So you'll have your elections. The restrictions will come back. Then you have the fall, right? We're going back into the fall. So they're talking about more COVID restrictions there. Then, then 
you've got Putin saying he's only going to keep things into the end of the year. You also have this is interesting. You also and I, this this just dawned on me. You also have a lot of the corporations that have uh, suspended business in Russia. They say they're only doing that to the end of the year. So what's so important about the end of the year? Is that their next timeline? You see, when you've got two or three of these these outfits around the world that are all keying in on the same point of time, that gives you your next mile marker. So the next signpost, I think, is going to be after the midterms, they'll ratchet down on COVID restrictions. They'll bring it back. They'll give you another wave or some variant or some BS, whatever it is. They'll give you that. Even though don't, don't mind the fact that seven out of 10 people that are dying in Canada right now, according to the, the Canadian government released as of today, never mind the fact that seven out of 10 people that are dying in Canada are fully vaccinated. Never mind that. Never mind the fact that nine out of 10 people that are dying in England are fully vaccinated. Don't pay any attention to that. Never mind the fact that our death numbers, according to VAERS, over the past two years, if you compare the VAERS report of the COVID-19 vaccination to the past 30 years, we have a 13,133% increase in death. Don't pay any attention to that. Don't pay any attention to the Pfizer papers, which we were going to discuss here today, but I talked to Ned today and he said, can you wait until I come on on the weekend? Can, can you just wait? And I said, yeah, yeah, we will. So I sent everything over to him to, uh, today and we're going we're gonna to discuss it when he comes on. For those of you who are signed up to us on Telegram, you'll get that podcast on Saturday. For those of you who are not, uh, all of our regular listeners on Spotify and Apple and Pandora and iHeartRadio, you'll get that on Monday. But getting back to this, parts of the special economic measures will include a ban or restriction on exports outside of Russia. The list of products, commodities, and raw materials to be determined later by the Russian government. See, they haven't even decided what that's going to be yet. I think they're going to wait and see how the markets are going to roll here, and then they're going to make their decision based on that. You've already got nickel prices that are surging to, uh, what was it, 100? Was it like 100,000 a kiloton or something like that? Hundred thousand, yeah, hundred thousand per ton uh, is what it's is what it's jumped to. Uh, that was uh, that was according to the uh, the London Metal Exchange. And of course, you need nickel for what? Electric vehicles, don't you? Yes, you do. You need nickel to make the batteries for all of those things. And of course, you need the lithium. You're going to need to get the lithium from. Oh, gee, I wonder where that's going to come from. Oh, that's going to come from China with Afghanistan. That's where that's going to come from. And the nickel, where's that going to come from? Oh, gee whiz, that's going to come from Russia. They just happen to be one of the world's largest nickel producers. Huh. I think they're just going to wait. Yeah, that's what they're going to do. They're going to wait to see what the uh, what the market's going to do. They're going to wait to see how the demand goes. And then they're going to sit back and collect their money. That's what they're going to do. The purpose of the decree is to, quote, ensure the security of the Russian Federation. The United States on Tuesday banned imports of Russian crude oil, gas and energy. Outside the United States, other Russian crude oil buyers are self-sanctioning, further limiting Russia's ability to export its energy products. You know, by putting these uh, sanctions on Russia, the governments that are doing this, they're not sanctioning the Russians. They're sanctioning their own people. That's what they're doing. These sanctions don't hurt Russia. Do you do you think that the, the Russians actually care? Maybe some of them do, I guess. But you think the Russians care that, they, that they're losing McDonald's? You think they care they're losing Pepsi or Coca-Cola or Pizza Hut or KFC? I can't wait to see the strokes, the heart attacks, the obesity and the diabetes make historic drops across the Russian Federation now that those things are going to be gone. You can eat yourself to death here in the West. That's fine. All these corporations pull out of Russia. Why don't you pull out of here? Also, to be fair, I don't know what the food standards are there in Russia and the portion sizes and everything. So well, uh, to be there's honest a lot of caveats there. Yeah, Russia, Russians are typically they're typically healthier eaters. Uh, it's 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 almost like a um, uh, it's almost like a European thing when it comes to that stuff. They have a little bit different choices, obviously, because they have different things in Russia. But the uh, the cuisine there is not all that different from what you would find in uh, parts of Eastern Europe. But of course, the corporations have been wanting to get in there ever since the uh, the wall came down, and they did. KFC has a thousand locations in there. That's a lot of locations for KFC in a country. That's a lot especially in Russia. They got 50 pizza huts in there. You know, my God, I saw a video today of the lines of people that were queued up outside of uh, McDonald's because McDonald's is suspending operations. So people were lined up to get their Big Macs, their last Big Macs before they closed everything down. Also, Starbucks uh, and a, f- a whole bunch of other companies are, are pulling out of there. Do you got something else on that before I move on? Yeah, uh, I was just going to point out that the average Russian is the ones that are going to care about those companies leaving. It's going to be inconvenient for them. But as far as the Russian government and everything, nah, they don't care. Nah, they don't care. 
Now, this is this is an interesting twist that's going on over in uh, over in Ukraine. It's an interesting twist. 450 Arab and foreign extremists from Idlib arrive in Ukraine. Hang on a minute. I thought it was about freedom and democracy. I thought it was all about all oh, the the Ukrainians and Zelensky and 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 their freedom fighters and all that stuff. I, I thought this isn't that what we were told? Isn't that what it was? Yeah. You stand with Ukraine, you're pro-Putin, right? Stand with Ukraine, you're, you're pro-Putin. Almost 450 extremists from various nationalities arrived to Idlib to fight against Russian troops after leaving Syria and passing through Turkey. Do you remember what I said about a guy named Zbigniew Brzezinski earlier this week? Do you remember what I said about that? I said, during the time of the Soviet Union, Zbigniew Brzezinski, under Jimmy Carter as the national security advisor, created a group of guerrilla fighters called the Mujahideen that was headed up by a guy named Osama bin Laden to fight in proxy wars in Afghanistan against the Soviet Union. Boy, this looks awful familiar, doesn't it? Looks awful familiar. Close to 450 extremist Arab and foreign nationals arrived in Ukraine. Relatives of extremists that have arrived in Ukraine told Sputnik, this is the Russian, one of the Russian state media outlets, that senior fighters from the terrorist group uh, Hayat Tahrir al-Sham, the rebranded version of uh, al-Qaeda, by the way, that's, I guess they got an upgrade, I don't know. We left a whole bunch of stuff over there in uh, in uh, in Kabul. I mean, I guess, I guess they upgraded, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, one could only guess. They've held a number of meetings with senior leaders in the Turkestan Islamic Party Group and Ansar al-Tawhid uh, and Horas al-Din groups. I'm assuming these are all foreign proxies that U.S. NGOs in one way or another have funded or supported or something. Again, like I said, it sounds very familiar. It sounds exactly like a plan that Brzezinski would do. And they agreed on allowing a number of all of their fighters to enter Ukraine through Turkish soil. The sources added that most of these fighters are veterans of the Syrian war. Again, that was another, that was a creation of John McCain is, is what that was. Do you remember there were ISIS fighters that were operating in Syria that were created by a guy named Senator John McCain? That guy? He was all over CNN at the time saying, oh, we've got to arm all these groups in Syria. We've got to arm the uh, the free Syrian army. Sir, there was no such thing. That group later became ISIS, Islamic State, IS, ISIL, whatever. They threw around so many damn terms, Daesh, that you couldn't follow it. The Obama administration and neocon warhawks like John McCain created ISIS with Hillary Clinton in the State Department. They created that group of people. Trump came in office. He actually worked with Vladimir Putin to clean up that mess. And now that mess has continued, and it's now being waged on Ukrainian soil, isn't it? They've just moved it to another part of the world. So now they can menace the Russians there, and they can drag the Europeans into it. Well, these people, man, these, these people have created one hell of a mess. These people are sick. They're sick. Uh, it, it's, it's like the, the guys at Zero Hedge said yesterday. Until these people are removed, removed, not voted out, removed, you're not going to vote them out. Until they are removed, this will continue and it will increase in frequency and scope. Around 300 of these fighters are Syrian nationals that are originally from the Idlib and Aleppo countrysides, with 150 others that are Belgian, French, Chinese, Moroccan, Tunisian, Chechen, and British nationals. We've got American contractors in there too. They left those out. As for the financial compensation, we're paying them? You're getting paid to go over there? The financial compensation. Sources said the fighters that hail from Syria will receive around $1,200 to $1,500, but had no knowledge what the foreign nationals were being paid. Where are they getting this money? Who's paying for this? Ukraine's president, Zelensky, had previously stated that 16,000 foreign mercenaries will fight for the country. Where are they coming from? Vladimir Putin had warned uh, Germany's chancellor, uh, Olaf Scholz, during a meeting last Friday that a growing number of foreign mercenaries operating in Ukraine, including those coming from Albania and Croatia, are namely militants and jihadists coming from Kosovo in order to put their experience from military operations in Syria to use. And again, who cooked up that little war in Syria? You remember, they couldn't overthrow Bashir al-Assad during Obama. They tried during the Arab Spring. It didn't work. You remember, they got Gaddafi. They got Hosni Mubarak in Egypt. They got Saddam under Bush. They couldn't get Assad. They needed to get Assad out of the way, and they couldn't get him. 
because he's a close ally of uh, of Russia. He actually runs a he's got a he's got a deal there with Russia. That's Russia's only warm water port in a city called Tartus, in a port city of Tartus. So again, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm following past trends here. Uh, and the people that are involved and, and the people that are involved with the State Department. My God, the, the State Department. Uh, where where do we even start with that? The woman that was sitting in front of the Senate yesterday being questioned by Marco Rubio. Shall we get into that? Shall we go there? Or do you want to continue on with the uh, with these militants first? I, I tell you what, let's get your take on the militant thing first, because this whole thing, this thing just stinks to high heaven. The, the, this whole thing just it reeks of the State Department. It reeks of uh, of the Obama administration and the, the guys like Lindsey Graham. And John McCain and, and all the neocons that want war and the people that sit on the boards of these uh, the, these contract firms. That's what it stinks of. All of it. Military industrial complex. It's just them sending in, you know, manufacturing arms, uh, sending over uh, contractors, creating wars, uh, proxy wars. The whole Syria engagement was a proxy war. Uh, politicians have their investments in these various manufacturing companies or the contractors themselves, uh, or they have family that run the contracting companies and they make millions on uh, uh, deals that are given to them. Yeah, this is all, it's all a scam. It's all a, the other thing is, is I don't even know what their game is. Like, are they, are they trying to create like this pseudo empire to where basically the U.S. runs the world? Is that basically their goal? Because I don't want any part of that. We shouldn't be in those countries. We shouldn't be involved. Hell, we shouldn't even be involved in Ukraine. If you want to sanction Russia for their dealings in Ukraine, okay, that's fine. As long as it doesn't hurt us here at home. We shouldn't have been there in Ukraine with those uh, um, laboratories there. We shouldn't have been doing... There's so many things that we shouldn't have been doing that, unfortunately, our government has done. Again, government's bad, okay? Is there any question now? I mean, the, the, the government has been doing some dirty dealings over there, and now it's um, now we're the one with egg on our face. It, now we're the ones that are looking bad on the world stage. Again, I think this is staged in the sense of this was planned. This is something that they've been planning for a while. It was a ticking time bomb, just the same as COVID. It, it was a ticking time bomb. Perhaps they were expecting a, a, a virus to come out of Ukraine or something. I, I, I don't, I don't know what their intentions are or any of this. I'm, I'm speculating, but the, the, the fact that we have ISIS now, huh? I understand huh? ISIS with, but, but you've also got IDF veterans in there too. How, how does all of this work? Yeah. So I can understand in a sense, I can understand what we consider terrorist organizations getting involved and in fighting Russia because they kind of have a beef against Russia anyway. Look at Afghanistan. I mean, look at the war that they tried. So I understand they're having a beef, but... That's Brzezinski's fault. That's that's his yeah. doing. Yeah. And then the IDF being involved, that I don't know if it's... I, I don't know if that's directly the the Israeli government or not because Israel is trying to... No, I trying to do the veterans. right thing by Ukraine. I think most of them are, are not active duty now. They're just veterans. So, I mean, that... Right, if but they I don't know do if it's sanctioned by the government like if no, the government's I, like you know you can do it or not yeah if they're being paid by a contractor then it's freelance whatever they want i'm assuming right but i'm i'm i guess well yeah true okay um but israel is they're trying to play both sides of the the, the line here they're trying to help the ukrainians by they're accepting refugees uh but at the same time they're trying to stay uh good with russia because whatever reason but I can understand. In Israel's case, I understand. They're much closer than we are to Russia, and they kind of have a lot of enemies in the area. So they, they as many friendly, well, not they, necessarily allies, but friendly they, nations they could have, it's beneficial. Yeah, yeah. I think they want to stay on good terms with Russia because of Iran. That's that's my guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Ukraine. Um, now, we we talked about last. What was it last week? We, we talked about the uh, the bio labs, the U.S. funded bio labs in Ukraine, the ones that uh, were funded by the Department of Defense. And then you had some in there that were funded by George Soros. We've got the receipts. We've got the receipts of all of that. We can prove all of that. As a matter of fact, I was talking to Ned today about something else that we're going to uh, that we're going to discuss when he's on this week. And he stopped for a second. He paused and he said, "You have proof of this?" And I said, "Yeah." <laughs> I said, I, "We got receipts for it." 
And he said, dear God, that's going to be interesting. Anyway, you'll have to hear about that in the coming days, uh, the next couple of days or so. But we talked about the labs that were in Ukraine, the US funded biolabs, the ones that, that were paid for by your tax dollars in America, my tax dollars and Bruce's tax dollars, without your knowledge. We talked about that. But it was all a crazy conspiracy theory. It was all nuts. Never mind the fact that we got the papers from the Plague Research Institute in Odessa that was funded by Canada, the UK, the United States, parts of Russia, and the Soros Foundation. Never mind that. Never mind that. No, you don't need to look at that. Is if that wasn't bad enough, that was just one institution. I'm sure there were many more, but that's the only one that we could find. But if you go back and you you look at the State Department's own websites that they host for the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine, they've got listings, or they had listings, of all of those laboratories. They put the receipts on the website. It was public. And once word started to get out that the U.S. was funding biolabs in Ukraine, and the Russian airstrikes seemed to correlate with those locations, the State Department ran over and started deleting all those documents. Why? Why, why? why are they doing that? Then you had Russian media that was banned. All of a sudden, overnight banned. We're shutting everything down. All the corporations that are ESG compliant on board with Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum are pulling out of Russia. And everybody, all of a sudden, you swap out your masks for Ukrainian flags. Everybody. That's all they did. Everybody, World Economic Forum, everybody got on board with that. Sean Penn and uh, and all the left wing causes, all the media and everything else. Everybody switched. It's like every, it's like a memo was sent out, an email, a mass email was sent out saying, switch up, switch now, change tactics and, and transition now. We need to pivot. COVID disappeared because the Pfizer dumps came out. We'll go over that in two days. But what did I say at the time when we covered this? I said, they're banning Russian media here in the West. They've banned one side of the argument. My thought was... When I brought this point up, I said, if the Russians go in there, if that's indeed what they're doing, and they uncover these labs, these U.S. labs in Ukraine, and they start gathering intelligence and, and gathering evidence, they're going to go on international television and they're going to start demanding answers. And then when you have, because you've banned it here, you've banned it, right? You can't see it. You can't see what the Russians are saying. You can't see anything from there. What are you going to have? You're going to have a Western media that are going to ignore it. And if there's any mention of it, it's Russian disinformation and you're pro-Putin and you're a conspiracy theorist. Well, lo and behold, lo and behold, as of today, you have the Russian foreign ministry on Russian TV that you're not allowed to see. And it was tough to dig this up saying this. Considering that we have the evidence that cannot be refuted, we demand that you provide details. The world must know what were you intending to do there, to what end, within which deadline, what was the amount of the so-called investments in the biological activities of Ukraine. Turning to the situation related to biological laboratories in Ukraine, we commented on this yesterday. And I would like to mention just the main points uh, by the Russian MFA. We confirm facts that uh, were found during the special military operation that confirm the Kiev regime attempted to cover up biological programs traces as implemented by Kiev and financed by the United States of America. There was no peaceful use whatsoever, no research use whatsoever intended for the good of peace. They were financed from the U.S. Ministry of Defense. The starting point of our position is that the U.S. Department of Defense and the U.S. President's administration should notify the international community in an official manner rather than through their speaking heads, familiarize the international community with the programs carried out in Ukraine. We assume that the materials existing today, the confirmations that were made these days by the Ukrainian side and by the United States of America, there was a statement made by the Deputy Secretary of State, Victoria Nuland, leave no doubt, will, no, will not leave an opportunity for Washington to keep silence this time. We remember how many years and also their, their attempts uh, 
while spilling blood to find biological and chemical weapons throughout the world, while in fact occupying, killing people. They were looking in the wrong place. We have found instead of you. We have found your own products. We have found your biological material. It was developed primarily for military purposes. As it turns out, it was all happening in Ukraine. What were you doing there? It's a different continent. It has no borders with you. There are no bases of yours. What were they doing there under the guise of scientific research? Your specialist, among others. On a regular basis, they were giving instructions to the Ukrainian side as to the purposes of their studies. Now, she mentioned a State Department employee who, nearest we can tell, we ran her down today. She is, boy, uh, Victoria uh, Newland, I, I think her name is, Nolan, whatever, I don't know. But we ran her down today. You talk about a swamp creature. Good Lord. This woman has been in the State Department for over 30 years. I mean, she's like the Dr. Fauci of the State Department. That's how long she's been there. She's still in there. She was sitting in the Senate yesterday talking to Senator Marco Rubio, who I don't like. I never have liked that little, that, that little worm. Never liked him at all. From the first time I saw this guy, like 15 years ago, I said, that guy's bad news. He has no business in there. I don't like the stances he takes on things. And, and certainly, certainly not the stance that he takes on this. This was him questioning Newland, who was, again, from the State Department. This was on C-SPAN. Actually, it was on, I think it was on C-SPAN 3. They didn't put, even put it on their, their normal C-SPAN channel. Listen to the twisting and the turning of this, because this is exactly what we said they were going to do. Well, um, I only have a minute left. Let me ask you, um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country uh -huh. and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100 percent it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Now, you see, it's it's not them that have the classic technique of doing something themselves and then blaming it on someone else. No, it's not them. But do you, do you see? This is exactly what we said they were going to do. Exactly. I, I don't have a crystal ball. Not at all. I wish I did. These people are so easy to read when you see just how damn corrupt they actually are. You can see them a mile away if you know exactly what you're looking at. And that's exactly what we can see. We can see these people coming from a mile away. You see here they're trying to get out in front of it. That's what they're trying to do. But it didn't work. It didn't work. Too many people now know what they've done. But again, Bruce, I think it goes back to your point, though. It's meant to discredit the U.S., but this could turn into something completely different. Now, you've got Newland there who's saying, uh, well, yeah, we, we, uh, we're we instructing the Ukrainians on how to uh, how to uh, defend or something like that. What? So you're instructing ISIS that just got there this morning? Is that what you're doing? You, you've got these people that are now over the bio labs that you've built in there? God, you people are sick. I, I can't even look at these people. Yeah, the... Um Again, the corruption, how deep it goes. And uh, as you were saying, the swamp creatures, she was uh, put into office there back in uh, uh, Clinton's regime. God. Uh, it's um, I, I, I don't I don't have any words uh, for that. I mean, I have the same questions as the, um, uh, the the woman that was being translated earlier. I have the same questions as uh, her, actually. I think most of the American people have some of the same questions. Why exactly is the DOD funding these biological labs in other countries? Why, why, why are you, why are you doing this? Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, what, what's going down? It, unless you're 
<laughs> it makes sense uh, unless you're, you you know if, if you're trying to take over the world or you know cause cause some kind of catastrophic event or you're trying to uh diminish america in some way then yeah this all makes sense in, in one way or another but um i don't know man even if you were to make the argument of well, we were trying to do research and, you know, uh, get ahead of these viruses so that we can make vaccines faster uh, and blah, 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 all the BS yeah. that they give us. No, it still doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't play out. If that's the case, if you're trying to do that, why didn't you do them on the home front? Why didn't you do them here where you have the regulations and the standards uh, to to keep people safer? Instead, you went to other countries where they have, well, arguably their standards aren't as as the same as ours. I won't say better or worse. They don't have the same standards we do. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a filthy American, as you, as you already know. So I already think our standards are better, but that's because I'm... No, I, I understand. I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, and I've got one more piece of audio to play here. I, I understand wh where you're coming from. Why wouldn't you do that on the home front? What are you doing it over there for? Why are you doing it on Russia's doorstep? That to me... That to me, rather, rather all of this is, is meant to discredit the United States or not. I, I, think, I think that becomes a moot point when you look at what they've actually done. Because what they've actually done here, I'll tell you exactly what they've done. They put these labs in these countries that are outside of NATO and outside of the EU and, and all of the, the, you know, the US stuff. They, they put it outside of these things. So they have plausible deniability. But unfortunately, they left a paper trail. They always leave a paper trail. And it's just a matter of somebody running it down. And we, with a lot of others, ran it down. I want to get to this report by Greg Reese here. It's a good report. I said I was going to play it a couple of days ago. I didn't get a chance to. Uh, but I want to play it here. The guy does a fantastic job uh, putting this stuff together. Affirms everything that we talked about with this. And then I want—I got one last clip of uh, Sergey Lavrov. I want to get to what he just said. Again, he's on, uh, he's on German mainstream media making a statement on there. Uh, and he's just arrived in Turkey. I believe, to talk to Ukraine's top diplomat. They're going to try and negotiate something down there uh, as well. I, I don't know what it is they're going to try and negotiate, but that's the next point that they're at. Nonetheless, what are they doing there? What, what are those labs doing there? If you're doing this research, which quite frankly, I mean, uh, th this stuff is this stuff's just got too, too damn dangerous anyway. I'll tell you what they're doing. They put these labs in China and they put them in non-NATO, non-EU countries because they're violating the Biological Weapons Convention. That's what they're doing. And if they're caught violating the International Biological Weapons Convention, anyone who's found to be involved will suffer the penalty of life imprisonment. That's not a maximum sentence, by the way. That's mandatory life imprisonment. You will be in prison for the rest of your natural life if you're caught violating the Biological Weapons Convention, which all nations signed on to. Anyway, great report by Greg Reese over at InfoWars. I, I know, take, take that for what you will, but the guy does his own independent research over there. Uh, he's got a free hand to do what he wants, uh, and I think he does a great job, but um, this was his report. Uh, and we've got this up on our Telegram page as well for those that are interested in actually seeing it. For years now, Russia has made verifiable claims that the U.S. is running secret biological weapons labs around their borders. And while Western media now claims this to be misinformation, back in 2013, they reported on it. While the United States and Murder Incorporated have been waging illegal wars all across the world in the name of democracy, Russia has been quietly selling energy and minding their own business. And according to National Geographic, this was the reason why the Pentagon was building these bioweapons labs in the first place, because Russia was entirely quiet on the subject and the U.S. wanted to get ahead of them. The initial biolab in Kazakhstan was built by the U.S. for $100 million to store high-risk diseases such as plague and anthrax and was hoping to attract scientists who might otherwise create biological weapons of mass destruction for someone else in order to keep the world safe. The U.S. has since built several labs in Kazakhstan. Most recently, a biosafety level four lab to be completed in early 2022. As early as 2004, the Pentagon's Defense Threat Reduction Agency, DTRA, began creating a network of biolabs for infectious diseases in Uzbekistan. And within a few years after operations began, outbreaks of unknown diseases were reported in the same areas as the labs. 
In Georgia, leaked documents show that the U.S. Embassy has been transporting deadly pathogens and human blood as diplomatic cargo in a scheme where private U.S. contractors working for three different U.S. biolabs have been given diplomatic immunity to do so. Shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine, At War Clandestine released a video with maps of U.S. biolabs matching up with maps of the recent attack, suggesting that Russia was securing these top-secret biolabs. Western media claims this is false, but fails to debunk it. And once the video goes viral, the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine is caught deleting evidence of these labs from their website but not before an independent journalist was able to copy documents showing 11 Ukrainian biolabs funded by the Pentagon. The Russian embassy to Bosnia has accused the U.S. of filling Ukraine with biolabs, which were very possibly used to study methods for destroying the Russian people at the genetic level. And we now know that these so-called mRNA vaccines are destroying people at the genetic level. We now officially know that COVID-19 is a man-made bioweapon. We know that it was funded by elements of the NIH and Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance. We know that it was made in Wuhan, China. And so what isn't threatening about the U.S. encircling Russia with top secret biolabs? And who on earth thinks it's a coincidence that everyone involved in the United Nations Great Reset are now the Ukraine's greatest allies of all time? The mercenaries and war profiteers in America are getting excited about making short-term profits off the dead. But the only ones who will benefit from this war are the crooks at the top who have been caught committing the most heinous crime against humanity in all of recorded history. And the only righteous way out of this is to hold these crooks accountable. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Bruce, you were shaking your head through some of that. Do you have a comment? I mean, uh, he he basically just confirmed a lot of what we were talking about and have talked about for a while. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I don't know. I, I, I want to say that we're going to see these people hung. And I don't mean that figuratively, by the way. I, I know it's technically TOS Doctor, and all of that fun Dr. stuff. Dr. Zelenko agrees with you. Yeah. The thing about it is a minimum of 6 million people have died from this. A minimum. Uh, that's, uh, as we said, it's not including the vaccines. That's not including how many people have had even, even just maimed in this, you know, injured, how many people were denied ivermectin, how many people were denied hydroxychloroquine or any other pharmaceutical that has shown in tests and studies to be effective. I think every one of them should be hung every, uh, even, even the ones like governors and, and like, even for them and their policies like Whitmer and, and freaking uh, Cuomo and all that they all have had a part. And you know what? I think the investigation should span, uh, media as well, because this is not only is it treasonous, but you also, it's, it's genocidal at the very least, at the very least. Uh, and I, I concur with you on that one, but at the very least, based on what we're seeing in the Pfizer documents that we're going to go over this week, uh, or first part of next week, if you're not subscribed to us, it's premeditated, organized conspiracy to commit mass murder at the very least at the very least and then the connections we have i think the smoking gun with that one bruce to make your point on that to put a finer point on on what you were making there is the proof we've got of that are the receipts between government and the media that we're going to go over this week as well because there you have racketeering and conspiracy don't you yeah you do and based on the Pfizer documents, we know what they're guilty of. That's exactly what they tried to cover up for 100 years. Okay, uh, before we end here, I want to get to this last clip. Man, we had a lot of audio today. I want to get to this last clip of um, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Again, uh, you're not allowed to see this uh, in America. This is this is from German mainstream media. They picked this up uh, and played it. Now, again, Russian media is really not getting through here because it's been blocked. They, they're doing a pretty good job of trying to uh, take down forks and uh, and mirrors and everything else to, to try and stop people from seeing what's going on. But we're watching some back channels, if you will. There's a lot of disinformation and all that stuff. So you kind of have to sift through it and make your own mind up. But it's better than nothing. Uh, but again, this is German mainstream media. So this is what we grabbed from uh, from that being is on the ground over here. This is this is what they covered of uh, uh, Sergei Lavrov. 
It has arrived there, and we ha- had data, and we have data that Pentagon, the Pentagon is preoccupied about the chemical and biological installations in Ukraine, because Pentagon built two biological war labs, and they have been developing pathogens there in Kiev and in Odessa, and now they are concerned that they may lose control over these labs. And you know what it may be like in future? And Americans decline flatly and resolutely to start a inspection mechanism as part of the Convention for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons. And they build new chemical and biological facilities all across Russian borders. And, uh, you know, many other developments happened. The CIA has been on the ground in in droves, and they have been training the Ukrainian army not to wage a war with Poland, apparently. And when developments in Iraq happened, when the United States claimed it was a threat to the U.S. national security, did anyone ask back then why the United States decided to bring a territory 10,000 kilometers away from the American coasts to order because the U.S. is a great power, but when Russia says that there is a threat to us, they start telling us that there is not a threat at all, but, you know, we will decide what is needed to provide for our security when it's just close and next to our borders. We will not go 10,000 kilometers away to assert our rules and which again puts a finer point on what were they doing there, regardless of of what you think of whether it's it's research or or whatnot. What, what were they doing there? Why would you put those in a country that's as he said ten thousand kilometers from your shores? Why would you do that? Why would you put it right there? Doesn't play. Even if you're trying to discredit the United States, it doesn't play. There's a larger, more sinister agenda involved with this one, I believe. And again, I've got my suspicions, but I have no basis for believing that other than the political agendas that we can see on the surface. Uh, and that's not exactly proof. That's just uh, that's just sheer speculation. Uh, and I don't want to start jumping into like what you would consider possibly wild conspiracy theories. I, I mean, to me, it makes sense, but uh, I, I, um, I I'm not one to throw that stuff around. Your comments on on him? Now I know that he said a couple of things in there. I think you were I think you were a little upset about what he said in the beginning about biological war, but but if you think about it, and I'm not defending him, I'm just pointing out a, uh, an obvious fact here. If you think about it, what other means do these do these labs that they were building, what other means and what other purpose do they actually have in the sense that they were that they were using them? So the the only the, the so that qualm that I have with him is not it's not okay, I don't disagree. I, I legitimately think that is they're they're doing it in a war, but it's not it's not in a traditional sense of country against country or nation against nation, whatever. It's not it's not on those grounds. It's on a they're trying to go after civilization, not just a specific group or people, and they're trying to uh, further their God, the uh, Fourth Reich, if you want to call it that, or the uh, uh, you know the the fourth industrial revolution or technological revolution, whatever the phrase you want to use there, they're trying to control it. And in the process, they're using everything that's available to them. So yes, I agree. But the the problem is, is my qualm with it is if you're to go to a courtroom and argue this at this time, we don't really have uh, the paper trail to say, this is the motive. We, we don't really have that. We have a lot of, a lot of evidence that when you put the dots together, uh, it's not even really putting the dots together. It's it's going off of what they're saying and what those groups are associated with. You could potentially create a motive, but at this time, I, I don't think there's enough there to, in a courtroom, say uh, without a shadow of a doubt, they 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 did this to wage war on us. Though that's where everything's pointing. So maybe you could make that an argument. Maybe that's no longer a valid disagreement, if you will. It, it makes me squeamish when they instantly say when Russia goes and says. Well, they did this because of war or they did this to wage war or whatever. And again, I'm not defending. I'm not defending him because I'm not on a side here. I'm on the side of the truth. I'm not I'm not pro Russia. I'm not pro pro West here. I'm 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 on the side of the truth because, I mean, you can see the tit for tat that's going on on both sides. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to stay out of this because I don't trust either side. The U.S. has got a lot. The West has got a lot to answer for. The Russians have got a lot to answer for. You don't invade another sovereign nation like that. But 
again, I'm, 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 I don't want to split hairs here, but okay. Anyway, his point, quite frankly, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with what he has to say, though. If that makes any sense, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, all right, all right, Lavrov, say something that's, say something that's not true, <laughs> say something that we can say, okay, yeah, it's an outright lie, and yeah. he, he didn't, and I'm like, damn, now, <laughs> you know, I wanted him to say yeah. something that was, that was nonsense. The, the, the problem with these, these officials that have come forward and started talking about this, we have the same questions. Uh, as the American people, we do. We have the same. Uh, like we want to know why they were there. Why were you so far uh, from home doing these things? We have the same questions, um, and no, no reasonable answer. Um, reasonably good answer. Uh, so I, I. The bottom line, though, she was on the other foot, um, and Russia was doing something in I don't know. Let's say Cuba. No, and make it was, closer. Was let's like let's say Canada. Or Canada. Mexico. And they were doing something there and they had biological labs there and were doing uh, pathogenic research to, for for vaccines. OK, for vaccines. Um, would we be skeptical and saying, uh, no, this is no, we, we would be taking the exact same position they're taking. Yeah. And Why we'd be we in there, there tomorrow we're morning. We're doing this for war. And, we'd we'd exactly. be in there tomorrow morning. So, yeah, yeah I, I I agree. All right. Uh, we are out of time, so we are going to have to go again. We had a lot of audio today. We ran over a little bit, but that's all right. So uh, for those of you who would like to send us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We really love having you as a listener, and we would appreciate it very much if you would pass us along to five friends. Do you know somebody you're trying to wake up? you know somebody you're trying to steer in the right direction? Do you know somebody that is looking for answers, looking for information that you're not going to find? find anywhere else, then send them our direction. Again, we would ask you to pass this along to five friends because we do need your help in order to grow. So thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening.